whenever you are. <laughs> Alrighty. So I'm gonna move this right over there, I think. So. Well, I've been thinking about you all this week as I've been writing and preparing for today. And I wondered, I wondered if you all know some of who and what you are. Because all of you sitting here today are a miracle. An impossible miracle. Because a number of years ago, with a few of the men here present today, uh, I was challenged to begin to pray for impossible things. And one of the things that we were told was impossible. You just couldn't do it was you couldn't bring two church families together and see them become one family. That we were told that that was impossible, weren't we, Jerry? And yet we saw God do it. And you all are that miracle that God has done. Because the people that said that were not wrong. There, are, there were lots of incredible difficulties and challenges to seeing that happen. And yet, the God we serve is a God who can do immeasurably more than we can think or ask. Sidelight. I just wanted, I meant to start with this and I forgot. Evelyn, do you know what day it is today? Today is day 12 It's opening day. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't You didn't that. know that, did you? <laughs> It means we're in for a special couple of weeks here. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway, you have to ask Evelyn what that's about later. So, anyway. Yeah. Not quite what's on her mind. Not quite what's on her mind, yeah. Back to immeasurably more. The other thing is not only are you all a miracle, but you also, I don't know if you think about this, but we're going to talk about it a little more and sing about it later. You all are beautiful. Think about that this morning when you got up. And we're beautiful, not necessarily in the individual sense. But would you say, would you say as you read through your Bible that it teaches that the body of Christ is beautiful? His hands, his feet, pierced for us. Beautiful, right? But we're that body now. And we've become beautiful in his name. <coughs> what an incredible thing that God has done to make a beautiful, impossible miracle like us from all of our different backgrounds, from all of our different things, things that he can do. A number of years ago, as I mentioned, I started with a bunch of men in the church here and in the family and was challenged to pray bigger. And we began by looking at the prayers of Paul. And I was reminded that prayer Prayer is not a peaceful weapon or a peaceful thing. It's not an intercom by which I call down to the front desk and order a dinner or a pillow. It's meant to be a weapon of warfare. It's not a peacetime tool. It's more like it's a wartime walkie-talkie for calling in artillery support and air support to the battles that we're involved in because we're believers and we're following him. 
Prayer is truly a window of our souls. Because what we really care about, we pray for. And that started me on a journey, that study with those men those years ago, started me on a journey where I realized that my prayer life was just too small. And I wanted to see it grow. I wanted to see it get bigger. And the person I thought that could teach me was the Apostle Paul. So I began searching through the scriptures, looking at his prayers and the things that he prayed for. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look again. We've looked before, but I want to look again at one of his prayers. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Turn with me. This can be our prayer to open with this morning, even. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, Or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's how Paul prayed. And I just couldn't help but noticing that his prayers are just were different than mine. And the main request in this prayer, because with Paul's prayers, as you look through them through the New Testament, they're kind of interesting because he always starts off with this big thought about God. And from that comes a prayer request. And then usually from that comes, oh, yeah, and when God answers, here's a whole bunch of stuff we're going to see happen. And then he starts thinking about all that God is going to do. And he, he launches into this praise thing about praising God for who he is and what he's gonna, and that he's going to do all this stuff in answer to our prayers. And I just thought, you know, I don't pray like that. <laughs> you know, and I just, it gave, me a, it gave me a desire to grow. I thought, gosh, I want to pray more like that, you know. And the main request here is found in verse 16 where Paul says, I'm praying that you would be strengthened, that God would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the main request. How do we know that's the main request? Well, look back at verse 13, right before he starts this prayer. And he says, I ask of you, Ephesians, therefore, that you not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Okay, now... Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesian church from a prison cell in Rome. And I've seen prison cells in the Middle East. 
They're not nice places. They're not places any of us would ever want to be. And from and they had, the Ephesians had heard that Paul had been cast into prison. And they thought, well, if that could happen to Paul. And they were becoming discouraged. And the phrase to not, I don't want you to be discouraged, can also be translated, I don't want you to give up. And this is so relevant to each of us this morning because as I've listened over the last couple weeks downstairs to different ones talking, it's become clear that all of us are in the midst of struggles. Every last one of us. And there are so many things that come into our lives through the week that can sap our strength and take our strength away from us. That's why it's so important to pray for strength. Because things like discouraging circumstances, monotonous routines, personal failures, unwanted interruptions, unfinished responsibilities, unresolved conflicts, physical infirmities. All of those things and more can knock us out of commission. And often, two or three hit us at the same time, don't they? We don't always just get one at a time, right? And if my recent journey through the cancer has taught me anything, <laughs> it's taught me a lot of things, but among them, it's taught me that I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm not as strong as I think I am, and neither are you. And seen in this light, this is a prayer for something that each of us desperately needs. And that is spiritual strength. Something we need every single day. And when we feel weak, have you ever noticed that when you feel spiritually weak and in need of spiritual strength, that often that is when it is the most difficult to pray? And so if you're on the verge of giving up this morning in this obstacle that is facing you, before you throw in the towel into the ring and give up, I want you to take this prayer to heart. For when we are weak, when you and I are weak, strength is exactly what we need. And this strength is the exact opposite. The strength that Paul is praying for here is the exact opposite of the discouragement that he doesn't want them to have in verse 13. The discouragement of giving up. To be strengthened with power, which is what he's praying for, that's what he's asking for, that we would be strengthened with power, means that we would be made powerfully strong to overcome the obstacle that is right in front of us. Whatever that obstacle is. And when you're made strong in the inner person by the Holy Spirit, there will be power, power to blast out unbelief, power to overcome despair, power to rise above any anger, power to keep going when you want to give up and quit. Note that this power is given to us in the inner man, in the inner self. Where the, that is to say, in the control room of our lives. Where every great decision is made. That's where we need the most help, isn't it? That's where we need the most strength. 
isn't it? As we ponder this prayer request, it occurs to me how different this prayer is from, as I said, most of the ones I'd been praying. Many of my prayers, as I looked at my prayer life, and I sat with the Apostle Paul, not literally, but with my Bible, and I looked at the things that Paul prayed for, and then I compared them to the things I prayed for, I noticed something. I noticed that most of the prayers I was praying fell into two categories. One was pain avoidance. Lord, this hurts. Make it stop. A lot of prayers along that line. Or another category was a lot of my prayers fell into change, change my circumstances. Lord, I don't like this. Please change it. <laughs> Now, no one enjoys difficult circumstances, and it's very natural to pray that pain will stop. And there's nothing wrong with praying for those two things. And I'm not saying that this morning, that there's anything wrong with that. The problem with my prayer life was those two categories had, become, had come to a place where they were dominating and overwhelming my prayer life so that I didn't pray for anything else. Interestingly enough, when you go through the New Testament and you look at the things that Paul prayed for, what he felt we needed, and therefore what he felt he needed to pray for all of us for, none of those things came up. Those two categories don't even appear in his prayers. And remember, he was writing this prayer from a Roman prison. So what were the things, and this was just a list I made as I went through the New Testament and looked at Paul's prayers, He prayed in Ephesians 1 that we would know God better. He knew that that was our biggest need. Our biggest need was that we would know God better. And he prayed for that in Ephesians 1. He prayed here in Ephesians uh, 1 also that we, or Ephesians 3 rather, the prayer that we're looking at this morning. He prayed that we would appreciate God's power to help us, to strengthen us. Three, he prayed... In Philippians 1, that we would be given the ability to make wise choices under pressure. How important is that? He prayed in Philippians 1 again that we would have genuine love for one another. How impossible is that? He prayed for strength in Colossians 1 again. Strength to endure so that we don't give up. That actually is a recurring theme. In a lot of his prayers, strength to endure so that we don't give up. Great thing to pray. He prayed for a willingness to trust God for the impossible in this prayer that we're looking at this morning. He prayed in Colossians 1 again that all of us would lead lives pleasing to the Lord. Who needs prayer for that this morning? He prayed in Colossians 1 that we would experience a growing thankfulness to God for what God has done in in us and through us and to us. Anybody need to be more thankful this morning? And lastly, in 2 Thessalonians 2, he prayed that we, you and I, would experience cheerfulness and joy in the midst of our trials. Cheerfulness and joy. Anybody need prayer for that this morning? His prayers, and this one in particular in Ephesians 3, were not, interestingly enough, the way I pray. Lord, take away my burdens. 
take away the things that are burdening me. But rather, what you see in this prayer in Ephesians 3 is he prays, Lord, give me stronger shoulders to carry the load. Strengthen me, Lord, that I might carry the load. Strengthen me powerfully to do the work you've given me to do this day. Give me strength today, Lord, to do the the tasks that you've given me with joy. Give me strength today, Lord, to re- in my inner man, in that control center area of my life, to resist temptation with courage. Give me strength, spiritual strength, Lord, to endure affliction gladly. To pray, this is my path, Lord, the path you have chosen for me. Whatever this obstacle is that we're facing. Make me powerfully strong, Lord, in my inner man so that I can walk this path that you're leading me down. That's the basic request of this prayer. Strength. That's the heart of it. Everything else flows from it. The basic request is for strength to be the person God asks us to be and to walk the path that he's asking us to walk. Who here doesn't need that? What would happen if we began to pray that prayer for one another? That God would strengthen each of us to walk the path that he has for us individually and as a church family. Well, there are three things that Paul says will happen. First, he says that you would become rooted and established in the love of Christ. That is to say that Jesus will become more and more at home in our hearts. Have you ever noticed that your home's probably a lot like ours, that when you have a guest and you invite a guest into your home, there are certain rooms that that guest is welcome in. And there are other rooms that you would prefer that guest not go in. (laughs) And if you have a guest that comes into your home and starts going into those other rooms, how do you feel about that? Stop, don't go in there, right? How often, you know, if Jesus in the person of his Holy Spirit comes to live within our lives and our lives are like that home, do we treat him as a guest or do we treat him as part of our family where he has access to every room in the house? See, until Jesus has access to every room, we're not really walking the way he wants us to walk. He doesn't. He doesn't push his way. He's not that guest that pushes his way, but he'll go stand by the door and go, hey, what's in this room? Oh, Jesus, that's my room. You don't get to go in there. You're just a guest in this home. You don't get to go in that room. And Jesus says, no, if I'm going to be Lord, then I'm going to be Lord of all the home, not just part of the home. I'm either Lord of all or I'm not Lord really at all. So one of the things that happens when when God strengthens us in our inner person, when he begins to answer this prayer, is that Christ actually gains access. We allow him to have access to these rooms that, in some cases, I'm ashamed of. I don't want him going in there. It's dirty. It's messy. I don't want Jesus in that room. 
And yet when he strengthens us, we have the strength to invite, to open the door and let him into that room. And he begins to do what he always does, and that is clean it up. Secondly, which kind of flows from the first, we gain a growing comprehension, a growing comprehension of how much Jesus loves us. Because when you invite him into that messy room, you watch what he does. And you watch the expression. And what he doesn't do is he goes, oh my gosh, I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked to find this room in such a mess. What kind of a person lives in a room like this? What kind of a person are you? That's not what Jesus says, is it? But rather we see how much he loves and forgives us and he just begins to clean up those rooms in our lives. And we begin to, as Paul says in the prayer, we begin to understand the height and the depth and the length and the, and the broadness of God's love, how much God loves us. And he says, I pray that the third thing will become true, that as we begin to understand how much God loves us, that he will fill us, this is interesting, that we will become filled with all the fullness of God. Now, when was the last time you prayed that for yourself, your family, or the church family? That we would become, all of us, filled with the fullness of God. You go, oh, Jim, that's not possible. Especially when you dig into it. The filled word there means to be dominated by something. To be absolutely dominated by something. It means to be that my life would become dominated by all of who God is. Wow, that's a big prayer. Isn't it? You know, it's springtime. And it's springtime at my house is probably like yours. One of the things that has to get done in the spring that doesn't get done during the winter when the weather gets a little warmer is the garage door goes up and the garage has got to be cleaned out. And one of the things invariably that has to get cleaned out are the big white buckets that were used in the fall to clean up the yard waste and were used to, during the winter to carry the rock salt and all the other things. And so it's a big, dirty, muddy, ugly looking bucket, big white bucket, right? Well, so how do you clean that? You take the hose and you turn it up all the water pressure you can get. Sometimes you put a nozzle on the end of it to give you even more pressure. And you begin to hose out that bucket. Have you ever noticed what happens? As you hose out the bucket, what happens? All the, at first, the water that goes into the bucket is all icky and muddy looking. But as you let the water run out, gradually the mud goes away, the filth goes away, and eventually, if you keep spraying it long enough, what's left? Just good, clean water, right? That's a picture of what God does in our lives. And he is like that water, that clean water that begins to fill our lives and take, take over our lives. And what used to be an old, muddy, filthy bucket that we think is impossible to clean when we start becomes clean. You know, you may be sitting here this morning thinking, Jim, you don't know my life. I haven't shared all of my life with you. You don't know my life. There are some, my life is like that big muddy jar. And I think it's impossible that I can ever be clean and free again. 
And if you're here this morning and that's you, then I would say along with the Apostle Paul to you, no. That's absolutely not true. That's absolutely not true. Because Paul, number one, prayed that we would be filled up with this life of God in our lives. That the life of God would take over and fill us. What an incredible thing to pray for myself, to pray for my family, and to pray for each one of you. It's so much better than saying, God bless Samuel. Now, when I I pray, God bless Samuel, God hears that prayer. (laughs) And he interprets it, and he kind of knows what I'm saying. However, how much better it is to pray, God, fill Samuel with a knowledge of your love so that you fill up all of his life with the fullness of who you are. What an incredibly better prayer to pray. And you might be looking at whatever the obstacle is that you're facing this morning and going, but Jim, you don't know what I'm looking at. (laughs) You don't understand the obstacle that I'm facing. It's impossible. You mean like bringing two church families together? You mean like the kid I told you about a couple weeks ago up in Hampton Beach who said, we need to reach everybody and never would have thought of the Wall Street Journal strategy? You mean like that kind of impossible? Because Paul would say, that's who God is. That's the God we come to worship this morning. He is the God who does the impossible each and every day. And he finishes. Notice how he finishes this prayer. He's moved into this incredible doxology where he says, after he prays that we would be strengthened in our inner man, and after he prays that as a result... Christ would become more and more at home in our hearts that we would begin to understand more and more the love that God, that Jesus has for us and that out of that, God would fill us to the fullness of who he is. Then he's moved to this doxology where he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. It's like if you can ask, if you can think with your human brain to ask God for something, He can do more. If you can imagine with your human brain what God can do, he can do more. It's who he is. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us. Note that. What is that power? It's the Easter power. It's the power that brought Christ out of the tomb. That's the power here. And according, it's according to that power. That power is available in this prayer to go after the obstacle that you and I are facing this week, whatever that obstacle is. That's how powerful our God is. It's that same power. That power that is with, at work within us to him, to this amazing God who can do immeasurably more To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. God can do anything. Is anything impossible for him? He can do anything. He can do more than we can pray for. 
If we need this morning, individually or corporately, if we need power, endurance, patience, mercy, forgiveness, a way out of temptation, confidence, guidance, an answer to our prayers, a friend to help us, consolation, a clear conscience, peace, joy in affliction, faith, hope, love, boldness. All of these things God can do, and he can do even more. God will not hold back on us as we pray. He will not hold back on us. In Romans 8.32, it said, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with the son graciously give us all things? God's already given us Jesus. He's given his son for you and me. How is it that something we could ask for, he would not give us? He's a good father, and if we can be good fathers, how much more can God? So what's our application this morning? How do we apply this text to our, in, to our lives and to our lives as a church family? I'm convinced that if Paul were our pastor this morning, <laughs> he would be encouraging every one of us and all of us together as a church family to pray bigger prayers. And I think every time he lifted up his eyes to heaven on our behalf, he would hear God say, I can do more for you. I can do more for you than what you're asking. I can do more for you. I can do more for your family. And I can do more for your church family than you have ever asked me for or even thought to ask me for. Then Paul would lead us as our pastor to step out in a new venture of faith and trust God for something impossible because it's who God is. And as we did that, God would say to all of us, I can do more. I can do more. I believe that. We need to pray big prayers that only God can answer. And while we're praying, we need to pray that God will be glorified. That is to say that his reality will be clearly demonstrated so that his reputation is enhanced in the world. That's why we pray. That God would be glorified. And we ask the question, is God able? Can he really do what you said, Jim, that he can do this morning? Well, you know, if we believe what he wrote to us here, we have to answer, yes, he can. And not only he can, but he will. See, all too often my focus is on my problems when it desperately needs to be on God. How weak I am. But... He is able. He is able to strengthen me when I am weak. He's able to answer far more than I can ask him for. 
He's able to hear my faintest cry like a mother who can hear her baby when nobody else can. He is able to hear my faintest cry. He is able to lift my burdens when I am in crisis. And he's able to guide me when I've lost my way. God is able. He's able to do immeasurably more. You all are beautiful and you're a miracle. Don't ever forget that. But I believe, even though we've seen God do great things, and we are the testimony of that, he looks at us this morning and he goes, I can do more. I can do more for each one of you, and I can do more for this church family. The answer is, will we trust him? And will we ask him? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your provision is far greater than our need. We come this morning in Jesus' name, deeply conscious of our weakness. Strengthen us, dear Lord, by your power on the inside, so that we will walk the path you've set before us. May our lives be a fitting dwelling place for you. And may we continue to grow in your love. Grant us, Lord, fresh faith to trust you and to pray biblical big prayers so that you would be honored in our lives, in our families, and in our church family. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.